Good morning, everybody. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's wonderful to have everyone together uh, once again for worship. Um, and especially this morning as we're finishing up our, our study and our series looking at the, uh, the book of Ephesians, uh, we've spent the past several months here uh, and we're, we're wrapping it up this morning looking at the spiritual armor of God. And, and as I was thinking about uh, what the Scriptures has to, ha- has to say about uh, spiritual warfare um, and the armor of God itself, it actually got me thinking, and follow me on this, but it, it made me think about how Amy and I actually used to be physically healthy people. I know that doesn't seem like it connects just yet, but I, we used to be somewhat healthy, uh, not necessarily like the paragon of health, you know, like uh, I wouldn't be on the cover of a men's health magazine or anything like that, but I mean, as far as getting sick and things like that, it, it just, we didn't get sick that often, uh, you know, and if there was a cold or something, you just take some extra airborne vitamin C, get over it pretty quick, and then, then we had children, and everything changed, uh, because children, the wonderful blessings that they are, are viral sponges. Uh, everywhere they go, they find every disease that they can and pick it up and bring it home. Um, you know, right now, our, our oldest son, Isaac, is at Hanahan Elementary. We have our daughter, Mary Catherine, at, uh, she's finishing up preschool at uh, Westminster Presbyterian. Um, our third child, Jeremiah, does Mom's Morning Out at Revive Charleston on Rivers Avenue. And so that's three different places where they have the opportunity to pick up every cold and snotty nose within the greater Charleston area and bring it back home to share so lovingly with the family. Uh, and uh, especially at the beginning of this year, it seemed like someone was always sick. There was always some sickness or illness or something within our family. And if you actually had the technology, you could see what causes these illnesses. You could see these bacteria and these viruses. Uh, But to the naked eye, it seems that you were constantly under attack by these unseen invaders. They come in and they attack your body and sometimes completely devastate you during cold and flu season where you're lying in bed just praying, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I'm tired of this. But even though you can't see them, people still take their health very seriously as far as uh, exercise. Well, some people don't, but generally people take their health seriously with diet and exercise and vitamins and supplements and things like that. Uh, they're the, the natural remedies. And for those of you that ride the essential oils train, there's that option too. But there are all kinds of options for people to continue to pursue health for their physical bodies. Because just because you can't see it doesn't mean that you cannot prepare for the inevitable attack on your body. And in that regard, that is what Paul is addressing to the church in Ephesus. He's saying that there is a spiritual battle and that there are enemies that you cannot see. And so he encourages the church, do not leave yourself defenseless, but prepare yourself. 
And that this is not just an argument towards believers in Christ, but this is something that all people, if they are aware or not, actually go through this concept of spiritual warfare. And I would even say that if Paul were alive today, that he would warn that all people should understand that spiritual warfare is real. It's not like an episode of Game of Thrones where you're going to see demons flying in on dragons and breathing fire everywhere. But it's real. It's an unseen enemy that comes with devastation to destroy and discourage. And much like preparing against unseen viruses, Paul encourages the church to prepare yourself against unseen spiritual attacks. And we see this in three ways in this passage. One, you prepare yourself in verses 10 through 13 by understanding the enemy you cannot see. And in verses 14 through 17, by understanding the protection that you cannot earn. And lastly, in verses 18 through 24, the prayers that must not cease. Before I go any further, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this time that we can come together. That we can intentionally set aside time. That we can set aside our distractions and we can come together to focus on what Your Word says to Your church eternal and says to us today. God, be with us now. Pour out Your Spirit. Speak through me. God, don't let this be my thoughts, my philosophies, my ruminations, but God, I pray that You would use a simple, broken man like me to proclaim Your eternal truth and Your glory and Your kingdom. Be with us now, we pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Now, as I recently, or as I just said, uh, we've spent the past few months in Ephesians, actually since the beginning of February. And, uh, and, and over that time, we've looked at how Paul has been addressing the Christians in the church in Ephesus, and how a belief and faith in Jesus should affect the way that a Christian lives their daily life, how it plays out practically in daily living, and even how it affects the personal relationships around a believer. We just got finished looking uh, at the past couple of weeks where Paul was addressing the respect uh, and submission of one's heart to one another within the church body and even within families themselves. And he's been addressing the relationships that you can see and you can hear and you can touch. This morning, as we get into the end of Ephesians, Paul is addressing a world that you cannot see. And in particular, the enemy that you cannot see. As he warns the church to prepare for spiritual battle, looking at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Because it's part of our human nature to rely on and to understand and believe in what is seen and touched. 
that if it, it cannot be seen, then it must not be that big of a problem. But the things that you can see and touch and feel and hear, that those seem to be the concerns that we primarily concern ourselves with. That is not a, a fault of, of just a, a believer in Christ. That is part of human nature itself. That what you see, what you touch, what you feel here, that is what you understand and interact with and believe in. But Paul is saying to the church, put on the armor of God against an unseen enemy. Picking up in verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, the things that you can see and touch, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. It almost seems silly in our current cultural age to believe in spiritual beings, the things that you cannot see in angels and demons and things like that. That it seems more like a work of fiction than spiritual truth. Comes across as a fairy tale to some. And as, uh, for those of you that spend time on the internet, uh, that it seems nothing more than fairy tales of some mystery guy in the sky. But this is nothing new. This is not a common philosophy in our day and age. In fact, there was a 19th century French poet named Charles Baudelaire who wrote in one of his poems the, the, uh, uh, the gentle or the generous gambler writing about uh, the deceit of Satan, the enemy, the adversary, the devil. He said, the loveliest trick of the devil is to persuade you that they don't exist. That one of the greatest attacks of the enemy is not to turn you against God, not to make you turn your back against angels and spiritual things, but just to make you think that they don't exist at all. One of my favorite books by C.S. Lewis is a book titled The Screwtape Letters. And in this book, it is, uh, it's a collection of letters addressed from an elder demon to his younger nephew. It's from Uncle Screwtape, hence the Screwtape Letters, to his younger demon nephew, Wormwood. And Wormwood has recently been assigned a human to try to dissuade from the church, from Christian faith. And Screwtape writes this to Wormwood. He says, I do not think you will have much difficulty in keeping your patient in the dark. The fact that devils are predominantly comic figures in the modern imagination will help you. If any faint suspicion of your existence begins to arise in his mind, suggest to him a picture of something in red tights and persuade him that since he cannot believe in that, it is an old textbook method of confusing them. He therefore cannot believe in you. That we live in a culture and an age that seems so anti-spirituality, so anti-otherworldly supernatural beings, that there just seems to be this general consistent consistence, uh, general consensus, 
excuse me, that angels and demons do not exist. And if anything, if they do exist, it ends up being more like a, a screw tape, or C.S. Lewis was writing through screw tape of this comic, uh, almost like an angel and demon on, on opposite shoulders telling you the good and bad things that you can do. I actually heard someone use that in conversation the other day that uh, he was referring to bad decisions that he made as the, de- the devil on his shoulder. And it becomes uh, more comical than understanding it as an attack from a very real enemy. Because in our mind, when we think of devils or demons, it's just silly red tights. Someone running around with a pitchfork telling you to do bad things. And so in that regard, many people today have not just lowered their defenses, but they believe that there's nothing to even defend against. But Scripture paints a very different picture of the enemy of God's people. In 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter writes, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. There is a very real enemy that is seeking to do very real harm. And so Peter encourages the church in that passage to watch yourself. Think clearly. Because you are being spiritually hunted. That the enemy is looking to destroy and to devour, to discourage you in your faith, to discourage you in your life, to distract you from heavenly things, to distract you from a gospel of salvation. This enemy wants you to to live in defeat and shame and selfishness, to turn away from godly things and be so focused on yourself that you drive yourself to ruin. Anything is possible in the enemy's eyes to turn your focus off of God. The things that can even be good can be distractions to heavenly things. To focus on yourself. I think a popular phrase today is self-care. And in, that, in some regards, self-care, it can be a very good thing to watch uh, your health, to take care of yourself, to rest properly. But I think our culture can become so inward focused on self-care that it becomes overindulgent and it ends up being a more comical form of treat yourself instead of take care of yourself. In fact, often the options when focusing on self or either it ends up to being either look at what I did by myself. I don't need God to do this for me. Or woe is me. Look how depraved, look how rotten and horrible I am. Not even God could love someone like me. The enemy drives people to those places not to turn you against God, but to think that you don't even need Him. And so I ask Will you open your eyes to a very real spiritual enemy and spiritual world around you? There's a very real enemy who wants to destroy you. And Christian, this enemy 
is looking for any and every opportunity to tear apart you and your faith. But the good news is that God does not leave His people defenseless. Because after reminding the church about the enemy that you cannot see, Paul reminds the church to be equipped with the protection that you cannot earn. Paul tells the church to arm themselves with the whole armor of God and then lays out what exactly this armor is. In verse 14, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. That the Christian is called to wear truth and righteousness and peace. That these should be defining characteristics as God's people go out into the world. That the truth and righteousness of God Himself are protecting God's people as they walk out in peace. In verse 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Christian is armed with a shield specifically for what what Paul says, specifically to extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. That this enemy is not just looking to, to discourage or to trip you but, you, but there is a very real spiritual attack and God arms His people to defend themselves. To be armed with the sword of the Spirit, which for those of you that have seen any form of, of Roman battle movie or, or like, like Troy or, or Gladiator or anything like that, any any wonderful movie where you see just epic sword fighting and things like that, you've seen where a sword is not just an offensive weapon, but a defensive weapon. That God gives His people the Word of God to be both a weapon to carry the Gospel forward and a defense to be protected against attacks. In Hebrews 2, the author of Hebrews writes that the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any sword. God arms and defends and protects His people. Now when you look again at the descriptions of this armor of God, it's truth. It's righteousness. It's peace and faith. It's salvation and spirit. And what do these things have in common? It's that you cannot create these things. These things do not come from within you. But these are all characteristics of who God is Himself. We live in a day and age where any truth is relative. That you can believe whatever you want to be true for you as long as it does not interfere with truth for someone else. Any faith can be righteous as long as you believe hard enough. We live in an age where culturally we long for peace, but we spend more time fighting over how to reach peace than actually chasing after peace itself. 
Because these things do not come from within us. These things do not come natural to us. But these are the very descriptions of who God is. These qualities belong to God, and they are His to give to His people as He sees fit. In Psalm 44, David opens this battle psalm by writing, Blessed be Yahweh, the covenant name of God. Blessed be Yahweh, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. He is my steadfast love and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield, and He in whom I take refuge, who subdues peoples underneath me. This God of creation, this God who has made Himself known, the covenant God of Israel, equips His people for spiritual battle. Not because of their effort, not because of anything that you can do, but because it is within His character to give you His protection, His love, that He is your steadfast fortress and rock, your shield and your defense. These things do not come from your own abilities, but it is found in Him alone. That He is the stronghold and deliverer of the people who cannot protect themselves. That He is the shield for the defenseless and He is the believer's hope and strength. And so I have to ask, where are you searching for your own defense? Are you one of those people that just runs to the the newest and and most popular self-help book or do-it-yourself philosophy? Trying so desperately to improve yourself and guard your own heart when there is always another book or philosophy to show you where that one was wrong but this one finally got it right? Do you protect yourself and try to protect your own heart by shutting other people out? Trying to guard yourself in a way that only leads to emptiness and isolation? Or are you one of those people that believes that a best defense, the best defense is a good offense? And you actually try to make yourself so much better than other people that you're naturally guarded against them. That your heart is naturally guarded because you've made yourself in your own eyes so much better than everyone around you. Again, leading to emptiness and isolation and the constant striving always have to be better? Or are you protected by the holy armor of God? The the armor that is based not in your own effort or your own strength or your own ability, but God's. The armor that is not based on your capability to be good enough, but God's who already was and is and will be good enough. And after you acknowledge the enemy that you cannot see and the protection that you cannot earn, Paul reminds the believers of the prayers 
that must not cease. There's been a picture kind of uh, circulating around the the internet lately, and it's these uh, two women that were in the Pittsburgh Marathon a couple of weeks ago on May 5th. And it's these two women holding hands as they're crossing the finish line, and it's such a powerful image. And it's uh, a woman by the name of uh, Laura Mazur and Jessica Robertson. It was Laura's sixth Pittsburgh Marathon and Jessica's first. And they were coming in, I I believe they were actually the last people to cross the finish line, but just the struggle and grueling endurance of this marathon, they found strength and endurance in one another. That as they held hands finishing that end of the, the marathon, as they crossed that finish line, that they were encouraging one another, challenging one another to keep pressing forward that instead of struggling on their own, that they came together and encouraged one another across that line. And that is what Paul is encouraging the church to do here on a much larger scale. We see in verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak, to be praying for one another, to be praying for the saints in the church. And he admits his own weakness and his own desire, I need you to pray for me as I carry the gospel forward, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may, be encur- that he may encourage your hearts, that the very news of the gospel that is being carried out, the very news of the mission that they are, are carrying out, would encourage the believers to continue pressing forward just like Jessica and Laura. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. He's giving the church the encouragement they need to continue pressing forward because there is a very real enemy attacking the church. If you remember the, the verse that, we just, uh, that I just read a few moments ago from 1 Peter, Peter goes on and says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And then he says, Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. That whenever you feel under attack, whenever you feel like the enemy is bearing down on you and you can't take any more, that you are not alone in that attack. When you feel the pressure of life, when you feel like there is just something, this, this pressure, this, this discouragement is more than just the daily weariness of the world, but I feel like there is something more attacking our hearts, attacking my faith, 
you are not alone in that. That Peter is encouraging the church to remember that the enemy is attacking God's people to tear them away from the faith. And you need to be praying for them just as much as you want them to be praying for you. The author of Hebrews writes, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Did you hear that? As long as you can call today, today, exhort one another. And I know exhort is not a word that we commonly use in our uh, everyday vocabulary, but to exhort means to encourage strongly. Not just be like, you can do it. But to be that rallying cry next to someone, with someone in their despair or in their joy, to be, I am here with you in your struggle. Exhort one another. You are not alone in your spiritual battle. Pray for your brothers and sisters in the faith. Pray for the families of your church. Pray for the marriages of the people in your life. For the children still in school, pray for them and their education, their their persistence to be diligent in their studies. For those in the workforce, pray for them to be bearing a light in a world that rejects spirituality and spiritual warfare. They need your prayers and you need theirs. So Christians, pray for one another. Because it could be extremely discouraging to look at the reality of spiritual warfare and say, this is much huger than I could ever accommodate for. That this spiritual warfare is greater and more destructive than I can do anything about in the midst of sin and selfishness and an enemy that you cannot even see. Scripture gives this comfort. Found in Romans 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because I can think of no greater comfort than knowing that in this life that there will be struggling, there will be suffering, there will be joy mixed with discouragement, there will be victories and losses, but nothing can take away the love of God found in Jesus Christ. The One who loved you enough 
to take your sin upon Himself, nailed to that cross, as He submitted Himself to death. And three days later, rose again in victory over sin and over death and gives you His righteousness. And nothing can take away that love. No angel, no demon, no discouragement, no battle can take away the love of God in Christ Jesus. And so, will you continue to live in a spiritual ignorance, pretending that if you can't see it, it must not exist, trying to guard your heart and your own efforts? Or will you realize that there is a very real enemy who wants to destroy you? Will you guard yourself with the armor of God provided by His very own character? Will you, will you pray for your fellow Christians, brothers and sisters in the faith, as you engage in this spiritual battle together, resting in the unfailing love of Christ? Which will you choose today? Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before You in awe of who You are. We confess that far too often that we have turned a blind eye to the spiritual world around us because truly we cannot see it. But God, You warn us about a very real enemy who is seeking to tear us away from You, to destroy Your people and Your church. And so I pray for us now that You would build us up together, that You would knit our very lives together as we encourage one another. That we would challenge one another to be armed in the faith with the armor of God. That we would find our protection in You alone. And God, let us rest and find peace in the midst of the spiritual battle, not in our own abilities, but God, that the love of Christ, the victory that was won on our behalf, can never be torn away. Let that be our hope, our shield, and our defense. And we pray all of this in His mighty and victorious name. Amen.